Hi, Bruno Jr. here. Our podcast, Busting Addiction and Smiths, is sponsored by SafeHouseRehab.com. SafeHouse believes that traditional treatments fall short of the needs of clients who face the modern problems of addiction. Modern problems need modern solutions. Multiple addictions, multiple relapses, multiple triggers, and cheaper and more powerful street drugs set up unprecedented challenges facing treatment centers. What is needed is a more sophisticated approach, a better way forward. There are three reasons to choose our progressive modern treatment program. One, a more sophisticated intake process. Two, technology proven to enhance recovery. And three, the most robust aftercare program in our sector. To learn more, visit us at safehouserehab.com. This is episode 7, season 12, which we'll call Stop the Epidemic Inside the Pandemic. Every now and then, I take a political stand in support of any effort to stop and reverse the trajectory of addiction here in the USA. That's why I want to bring you the news within the news. Although the U.S. has had over a million innocent people die of COVID-19 since its start, another 100,000 innocent young men and women died in 2021 of an overdose of street drugs, primarily from fentanyl. Fentanyl is now a very popular street drug, a synthetic heroin that is cheaper, easier to score, and up to 100 times as powerful as heroin. Dealers will sprinkle other drugs with fentanyl as its addition will boost the effects of using cocaine, marijuana, meth, and who knows what else. My audience consists primarily of family members affected by alcoholism and or drug addiction, moms, dads, other loved ones who are not addicted but have to deal with an addict or alcoholic in their family. The question one often hears is this, what can I do about it? Must I accept what Al-Anon teaches me that I have little control over the addicted one and that I have to take care of myself first? That answer is yes. But there's also a lot more you can do for yourself and for your society, if you care to get out of your self-protective shell and realize that you are an important part of a greater whole. You are an important part of both the problem and the solution. You can help bust a myth or two. An example myth is that physicians and other clinicians have received training in addiction during their medical education. But what's the truth? The truth, only about one quarter report having received any such training whatsoever. Why does that fact represent a danger to our society? It represents a danger because those who seek help for addiction or alcoholism are more likely than not to end up being treated for the secondary symptoms of the addictive disorder, like depression or anxiety. That's because the untrained clinician is easily fooled by an addict who often doesn't want to be found out anyway, but mom wants him to get well so he'll gladly accept a new drug to add to his menu. Addicts need to be treated for their primary disorder, addictive disease, not just for secondary symptoms, which may call for a prescription for an antidepressant or for an anti-anxiety drug like Xanax. This is where the MATE Act, M-A-T-E, in the U.S. comes in. It stands for the Medication Access and Treatment Expansion Act, a bipartisan bill designed to ensure that all DEA-controlled prescribers have a baseline knowledge of how to prevent addiction and how to identify, treat, and manage patients who have substance use disorders. Kevin Roy, who's the policy director of a not-for-profit organization called Shatterproof, nailed it when he stated that addiction is a medical illness that healthcare professionals should know how to treat, but right now 
That's rarely the case, believe it or not. If you're a family member seeking help from a medical professional, make sure that that person who is supposed to help you and your loved one has received training in addiction and is licensed as an AODA alcohol or drug addiction counselor. This step may be the most important one you take as the stakes are too high to risk a misdiagnosis. The most poignant stories are those about sons and daughters lost to this disease despite the often Herculean efforts of parents to save them. There is the heartbreaking story of a man whose 21-year-old son had finally sobered up after eight years of trying to get straight, but then deliberately took his own life, not by overdose, but because of the shame he felt he had imposed on his family. This man is quoted as saying, It was not addiction that claimed my son's life. It was a shame he felt every morning when he opened his eyes. That should never have happened. Of course it should never have happened. One of the first things they teach you in treatment is that shame is a master emotion and it is an attitudinal challenge. One has to understand as an addict or alcoholic that the disease compels you to do things you would not otherwise do. In that sense, the addict is partially off the hook. He'll still have to hold himself accountable, but later, not by beating himself up today. The lessons for family members struggling with what do I do now are as follows. One, at the first suspicion of addiction before it can do irreparable damage to the family and to the addict alcoholic himself, find a qualified AODA medical professional at a treatment or counseling center. Do not just see a psychiatrist who may or may not be qualified to assess the condition of your loved one. Make sure you develop a program of action in cooperation with your spouse and loved one designed to help your loved one recover. This may include one-on-one counseling, intensive outpatient, also known as IOP, intensive outpatient care, or even inpatient treatment. Two, while we're on the topic, there are several treatment centers outside the U.S. and the EU that cost less than 25% of the ones in the U.S., an example is the excellent licensed professionally staffed treatment centers in Thailand, such as safehouserehab.com. Many parents love the idea of their Johnny being taken care of in a safe place, a sanctuary away from the usual environment, which may present triggers resulting in relapse. Number three, if there is denial and resistance, seriously consider an intervention to get your loved one into treatment. A great starting point is a book by John and Deborah Jay entitled Love First, A Family's Guide to Intervention. Don't wait or buy into the myth that an addict has to hit bottom first before he or she will accept help. Maybe it will take years to hit bottom, and that bottom may be death or jail. Spare yourself the torture and act now, but only after you and other family members have fully educated yourselves on the nature of the disease and how it manifests itself in your loved one's attitude and behavior including the deception, the denial, and the defiance that comes with it. Number four, we must be rid of the stigma which hangs over addiction and alcoholism like a dark cloud. If we could all see addiction as a disease as opposed to a moral failing, if we show understanding and empathy, more people will seek treatment and fewer will die. Stigma is a killer. I was once part of a campaign for drug-free America, which is a leading not-for-profit focused on prevention and treatment for those with what is now politely called a substance use disorder, also known in my personal book as drug addiction. Its purpose was to attack the stigma, the myth that addiction is and must be treated as a disease. The campaign featured self-identify addicts who would state things like, I need treatment and not jail. 
The unacceptable truth is that only about one-third of Americans believe that addiction is a disease, while the rest believe it to be a result of a moral failing or a character issue. Therefore, wherever and whenever you have to the opportunity to straighten people out, speak up. Refer them to the CDC's website, cdc.gov, or to NIDA, National Institute on Drug Abuse, at nida.nih.gov, and there you will find a wealth of information that will help educate you and anyone else who might be promoting a dangerous myth. NIDA calls drug addiction a brain disorder that causes people to engage in repetitive behavior despite the harm it inflicts on the user, on those who care for him, and on society as a whole. The saving grace is that the brain disorder can be reversed. Imagine what sort of hopeless hell we would be forced to live with were that not true. That would be a genuine dystopian future. What did we learn about the addiction epidemic today? We learned that, one, family members must not buy into the myth that an addict or alcoholic has to hit bottom before they will accept help, believing that dangerous myth could take years to play out and could result in death or jail or somewhere in between. Two, the alternative to standing by and just watching the train wreck is to do an intervention in which the whole family participates, and it starts with education on the nature of the disease. Three, stigma may be the greatest obstacle to reversing the drug abuse epidemic, and include alcohol too. And it is our collective task to fight the stigma that keeps addicts and alcoholics and families in a state of needless, perpetual shame. Number four, choosing a professional to assess and treat the loved one whom you suspect is an addict or alcoholic is a critical decision. If the responsible family member ends up with a clinician not trained in addictive disease, the treatment may worsen the addict's condition. Number five, supporting the MATE Act, M-A-T-E Act, and others which promote more rigorous education on the nature of addiction and alcoholism can go a long way to reversing this addiction epidemic. Clinicians will become better trained to identify and treat addictive disorder which helps all of society. Our podcast is sponsored by SafeHouseRehab.com, a modern approach to recovery. To learn more, visit us at SafeHouseRehab.com.